this is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. I'm going to talk specifically about this one passage today, but before I get there, let me just tell you a quick story about something that happened to us in the last year, because I think it'll set up what we're going to talk about, where we're headed. Um, My wife and I, we have five kids. Our oldest daughter just turned 13, so we've got a teenager now. Our youngest is four, and he started preschool this year. Um, first, first time going to school for him. It was a big deal. I don't know if you remember what it was like when you first went to school, but he, he was kind of nervous and my wife could tell that she's an amazing mom. And just, you know, uh, moms have this ability to feel what their kids are feeling, you know? And so they're in the carpool line and he had unbuckled his car seat, gets out of his car seat and he's waiting there to get out with his little bag on his shoulder and He's standing right over her shoulder, and she could kind of feel his little heart beating, you know? And she said, buddy, are you nervous? And he said, yeah. She said, would you mind if I pray for you? And he goes, sure, you know? <laughs> and she goes, okay. So she prays. She says, God, would you give, would you give him courage? Uh, God, would you help him to know that you're with him? God, maybe even take away his nervousness, his anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen. He looks up at her. She calls me later in the day to tell me the story. And I was so in. I was like, what did he say? What did he say? She was like, well, he looked up at me with these big bright eyes. And I thought he was going to say something real profound. But he looks at me and he goes, well, that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Have any of you ever felt that way before? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's, that's actually uh, one of the things I want to talk about today is we're, you know, this is a conversation we're having with our kids. Um, this is a conversation that I think we all ought to be having is this, 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 this church thing, this faith thing, this religion thing that there's a, there's a gravitational pull for all of us. And so really, I think there's just a few camps that we're all in today. You know, maybe some of you have been a Christian for a long time. I mean, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you know the, the pull toward this thing just becoming religion, where it's, what can I get out of God? How do I get God to move on my behalf? Maybe some of you are somewhat new in your faith. And maybe you have those emotions, those feelings of being so grateful, overwhelmed with what God has done for you. And then some of you, Maybe, maybe you're, you, maybe you would even say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I, I, I'm not following Jesus. I, I, I don't, I'm just trying to check things out. I'm trying to figure things out. Maybe you've been through some stuff. Maybe you left your faith a while ago. And so I hope maybe today is just a day of, almost a day of preview where we all can look at what is the danger of religion? Because we're all moving toward the longer you are a quote-unquote Christian, the longer you are trying to live out your faith, the more the pull, the attraction is toward this way of religion, of just doing things the way it seems like God wants us to do it, trying to get him to do the things I want him to do. But how do we resist that? How do we resist getting caught up in the danger of that? And so today, really, all I want to do is on this uh, wonderful Memorial Day weekend in Branson, Missouri, at Woodland Hills Family Church. Just want to open up the Bible and just tell this one story of this interaction that Jesus had. And the thing I love about it is that 
this story is, um, it creates uh, a comparison. It, it's, it's really, it's fairly easy to understand because it creates a, a, a warning toward one person and a welcome toward the other, a celebration of the way this person's choosing to live. And all of us are prone to lean toward this way of religion where Jesus, it's almost like he uses this interaction to grab us by the shoulders and shake us and say, don't get caught up in religion. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke 7, Luke 7, verse 36. Uh, if you use technology to read the Bible, go for it. Look, look you open up your app. Uh, if if neither one of those work for you, no worries at all. We're going to put it on the screen. This, this is the way it starts. Luke 7, verse 36. We're going to go through 50. Luke writes, when one of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were the teachers of the law. These were the people that are very particular. These were the judgmental, oftentimes judgmental people. They had all these rules they had to keep and they kept them all. I mean, they're the people that are sitting in church every Sunday looking around going like, hmm, interesting. Bob's not here again. Wow. How many weeks is that? You know? Oh, well, I've been keeping track. It's actually six weeks in a row. I wonder if he's even watching online, you know? Like the Pharisees were those kinds of people. And Pharisees did not typically find their way uh, in, in a welcoming relationship with Jesus, but this one did. In fact, when one Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and so Jesus went. Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now remember, that the Pharisees that generally didn't, they didn't appreciate Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. Jesus was breaking rules. Jesus was doing things different. And they liked their rules. They liked doing it the same way. They had gotten good at doing it that way. Now, there's one other Pharisee who had, at this point, had had a significant conversation with Jesus. And even the way this Pharisee came to Jesus, it was much more consistent with what Pharisees would have thought about Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. Does anybody remember what time of day Nicodemus came to see Jesus? At night. night. Look at that. Uh, Who said that? Right here. Sir, what is your name? Richard. Richard. Listen, Richard, if you're ever in a game of Bible trivia, Richard is your guy. Richard, you said that so fast. That was unbelievable. Yes, Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night because he was almost ashamed. He didn't want to be be seen having this conversation with Jesus, which is, on one hand, really fantastic that this particular Pharisee was not concerned about that. We're going to find out later on that this Pharisee's name was Simon, and Simon invited Jesus to his house, and Jesus said yes. And Jesus attends this dinner at his house. Now, another thing we have to understand, there's... um, There's something cultural that we have to pay attention to about the way Jesus would have um, been at this dinner. Okay, so when you think about a dinner, you think, you know, there's people sitting around a table, everybody's feet are under the table, right? But in this case, they reclined at this table. It was a low table. I'm not a first century history expert, but I have read a few books about people who are. And he's reclining at the table, his feet are kind of behind him, and he's sitting here dining and also having conversation. Now, the other thing you have to learn is that uh, the the people that were at this party, it wouldn't have just been the people sitting around the table that were invited, but people from the town. It would have been culturally acceptable for people to just kind of mosey their way in, kind of look around the party. Uh, There would have been beggars there, perhaps, who were hoping to get some scraps from the dinner. And and, and we're going to see one particular character who was probably there, maybe for a reason similar to that, this, this, this woman we're going to learn was 
also at this party, but she was not invited to be at this party. Verse 37. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, this is really important. That This woman in the town who lived a sinful life, there's a couple things we have to pay attention to. First one is this. Jesus is going to use this Pharisee as a negative example of the danger of religion and he's going to celebrate the faith of this woman. Now, in this day and age, this was unheard of because men and women lived in a different class. Men were just naturally more important in this society. But what we see Jesus doing over and over again is we see Jesus elevating the dignity, the honor of women. It's remarkable that Jesus was showing worth, showing value, even using this woman as a positive example in this interaction that he has. And this wasn't just any woman. This was a woman who lived a sinful life. I know perhaps we have some kids in the room, so I'll say this in a way that hopefully is not going to cause you to have to have any conversations that you're not ready to have later on. But this woman would have been a woman of the night, right? This woman was in a particular line of work that she probably did not choose. Her life circumstances probably forced her into this, where this was the only option she had to be able to make ends meet, to be able to pay for her bills, But nonetheless, this lady was, she was living this life, this life that was a a sinful life. But she brought with her this jar around her neck, an alabaster jar. I I picture kind of this, you know, you know, somewhat beautiful little glass jar that would have had a string attached to it that she would have carried around her neck. And, 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 you know, very rarely, but sometimes she would open up this bottle and, and the scent would make its way out. This was almost like her ID, her identification. This is how she put out the vibe, so to speak. And this is a very expensive jar. This is a very delicate jar. This was something that you would have only had one of. It may have passed down to her. But it was part of her value. It was part of her worth. It was part of her her role in life was to carry this around. and, and, And it was very meaningful to her. And so she shows up at this party with this jar. And it seems like she's intending to do something with this jar, but she gets caught up with emotion. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet, she stood behind him at his feet, ready to do what she came to do, but she got overwhelmed. She got, uh, what's the word? The clamped, right? She couldn't speak. She was so emotion. She was so, uh, she was experienced so much emotion. That she starts weeping, making a scene in a sense, probably didn't intend to. And as she's weeping, her her tears are now dropping onto Jesus' feet. Maybe at this point, Jesus notices her and looks back at her and she lets her hair down. Again, something you would, a woman would never do in public, right? I mean, when a woman lets her hair down at the end of the day, it seems like it's, you know, letting everybody know, oh, I'm kicking my feet up. I'm, I'm going to become more comfortable, right? If you're watching a movie and a woman lets her hair down, it's like, oh, here we go. Something's going to happen, right? I mean, this was, you just didn't do this in public. But this woman lets her hair down and uses her hair to wipe the tears on Jesus' feet. She's cleaning his feet. But then she takes this jar and she pours perfume on them. 
Some people, some commentators would say she actually had to break the jar to pour the perfume onto Jesus' feet. She makes a huge scene out of this. Anybody remember a time in your life where you wanted to tell someone something? You came to give someone a message. You wanted to tell somebody thank you. You wanted to say something meaningful to someone, and then you just got emotional. You lost it. You couldn't, right? I remember a couple of years ago, I was, at this, it was, I was actually in California at this church service during the week. It was a Wednesday night. I was there for a conference that was happening earlier that day. And we went to this church service, and we get into the service, me and a couple of friends that were at this conference as well. And I'll never forget, people started whispering, the Biebs is here. Justin Bieber at the church service. For those of you who don't know who Justin Bieber is, big time, right? Celebrities, kind of a crush for a lot of the, the youngsters of the day. And there was a girl that was with us who was, uh, she was one of the coordinators for this conference and we go to church with her. She works on our staff and um, I'll never forget because she was so emotional. I mean, she was like, you know, she's worshiping, you know, like she's singing a song and she's doing it like this, but she's got like one eye open, you know, like scouting out the room. Like, is he here? You know, like one of the, and so at the end of the service, she tells us all, she's like, I'm going down there. I'm going to go say hello to him. And we're like, oh boy, everybody get, get in a position where you can see this, right? This is going to be, something's going to go down. And she gets there to say to him, Hey, I love your music or hello, or I don't don't even know what she was playing. I don't don't know what her game plan was, but she just loses it and starts sobbing right there. And then poor guy, you know, he's just like, what do I do? Do I like give her a high five? Do I give her a fist bump? Do I give her a hug? Do I say like, it's going to be okay. You know, to crack a joke, whatever. I mean, we, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Some of you might be wondering, like, did you give her a hard time about that? I think a better question is, do we still give her a hard time about that? (laughs) Pretty much every time I see her, I make some kind of reference to that. Her losing it right there. You, you had a situation like this, right? I mean, I've had something like this where you want to tell somebody something and, you, and then you, just, you get overwhelmed. You tell your emotions, now's not the time, but the emotions are like, oh no, we're coming out. Now's the time. That's what this woman did. And she's standing back there now making a scene, weeping at this party and people start to notice her. People start to go, what is happening with the woman back there? In fact, Simon who was hosting the party, he, he, he notices her. Next verse says this. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he didn't say it out loud. He thought it. He said it to himself. He said, self, if, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touch, touch, touching him. Really important. He would know who was t- touching him. Ugh. And And what kind of woman she is, because she is a sinner, right? And this kind of conjures up the reminder of the church lady, you know, from early 90s, Saturday Night Live, right? Church lady that was so judgmental that would talk about, did you hear about her? She's a sinner. I mean, that's probably what he said to himself. He's like, how can I believe that he would let her, a sinner, touch him? Now, Jesus, being fully God and fully man, Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God crams all his divinity into a human body. Jesus on planet Earth, he has the ability to know exactly what Simon's thinking. And so he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now, Simon, at this point, doesn't know what Jesus is going to tell him. So he says, well, do tell. Tell me, teacher. I'm sure he's thinking that Jesus is going to compliment 
the delicious food. He's going to tell him how beautiful and stunning his house is. What an incredible man he's heard him to be. Now, Jesus says, actually, Simon, I know what you're thinking, and I have a story to tell you. So Jesus gives him an illustration. He makes up a story to explain the situation. Jesus says this. He answered him and says, Simon, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. All right? You're tracking with this. There's a banker. There's a, a boss, El Jefe, somebody who's got a lot of money and loans money to a couple of people. Now, a lot of people would do a deep dive, a study on what a denarii is. We don't need to because the point is not what a denarii is or what a denarii isn't or what the current exchange rate for a denarii is. No, the point of it is that one owed him 500 and the other owed him 50. So we've got one who owed him just a little and one who owed him 10 times that amount, 500. And the moneylender does something astonishing. Neither of them had enough money to pay him back. And so the moneylender forgave the debts of both. And then he asked Simon a question, which I'll ask you the same question. Now, which one of these two that were in debt, that had their debt forgiven, which one loved or felt grateful for, or which one was more overwhelmed with emotion at what the money lender did to forgive the debt, the one with 50 or the one with 500? Yeah, thanks, Richard. You nailed it again. <laughs> that was actually not Richard this time. What's your name, sir? Hardy. Hardy, thank you. You're exactly right. It's the one that owed 500. Well, why? Why the one with 500? Because it was a bigger debt, right? I mean, if you owe me 20 bucks and I'm like, ah, don't worry, that was on me, right? You're like, that's nice of him, right? But if you owe me 200 bucks and I'm like, ah, don't worry, just get me next time. 200, whoa, 200 might not be a lot of money to you. That's a lot of money to me. Whoa. And everybody in the crowd was kind of astonished by this. (gasps) Can you believe it, right? Kind of one of those moments, you know, from uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where Clark tells Eddie, surprised? Was I surprised, Eddie? <laughs> if, my, if I'd have woken up yesterday morning with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't have been more surprised than I am right now to see you, Eddie, right? It's kind of one of those moments. Everybody's like, can you believe it? Like, he, this, is a, this is a significant moment that's happening here. And so Simon answers. He says, just like you did, Hardy. He said, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, Jesus says, yeah, you've judged correctly. Yeah, you nailed it, Simon. And then he applies it. He he explains it. He says, this is why this is relevant for this moment. Again, contrasting these two people. He turns to the woman, and then he turns to Simon. And he says, Simon, I, I, I love this question. He said, do you see this woman? Did Simon see the woman? Yeah, he did. I mean, she was making a scene at his party. He thought to himself, does he really know who's touching his feet, right? But he didn't see this woman the way Jesus saw this woman. And I I just want to tell you today, for those of you that maybe you've had a rough Friday night, rough Saturday night. Maybe some of you thought about coming to church, but you're watching online because you thought I couldn't darken the door of a church. The building would have shaked if I'd have walked in. Like you have no idea what's been going on in my life. Maybe you've been living a certain kind of way. 
and you're wondering, how does God feel about you? How does God see you? Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to tell us how God sees you by explaining how God sees this woman. And it's not the way that Simon saw this woman. Very different. Other people may have counted you out. Other people may have written you off. Other people said, oh, you're not worthy of God's love. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm not sitting here with my arms crossed. I'm sitting here with my arms open, waiting to welcome you. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? He said, "You, you, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you didn't even give me a kiss when I came in here, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you didn't put oil on my head to anoint me recognizing who I am, but this woman has poured all of her perfume out on my feet. And then he makes the big statement and he says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And and notice what he says. He doesn't say her many sins are forgiven because of what she's doing. No, he says, Her many sins are forgiven as her great love has shown. She is expressing through what she's doing what has already happened. She's responding to what I have done for her and she's overwhelmed. You're buttoned up and she's losing it. You're keeping it all together and she's completely emotional because... She understands that her sins have been forgiven. And then he makes this significant statement. He says, whoever has been forgiven little, sorry, loves little. And and, and it's not that Simon had only been forgiven little, but it's that he had only recognized the little that he had been forgiven for. Jesus continues and he looks at her and he says, Hey, just don't ever forget that, that your sins are forgiven. Jesus says to this woman, your faith, your faith in me, your faith in what I have done, it has saved you, so go in peace. Not go find peace, but go live out this new way of peace. Go experience peace. I don't know if any of you want peace this weekend. Maybe you're experiencing a lot of stress, a lot of worry, a lot of concern, maybe even some anxiety. I'm telling you, what, what Jesus is explaining to us is the way that we can find peace. It's the way that we can live in peace, the way that we can experience that mind-blowing, hard to understand, hard to comprehend, in the middle of difficult circumstances, peace that only he can provide. The other guests in the crowd, they learned better, right? They should have learned from Simon's mistake of just thinking something to themselves, but they couldn't help it. And they start murmuring amongst each other, who is this man that even forgives sin? Who is this man that does this? Right? This woman knew who he was, but they all wanted to know, who, who is he that does this? What, what I want to do, see, um, what, what's, what's so interesting to me about this passage is if, I don't know what your Bible reads, but the heading on Luke 7, 36 through 50 in my Bible says, 
sinful woman anoints Jesus. And so we're, we're, it's easy for us to think, oh, this is just about the sinful woman, right? But, but it's clearly not. This is about comparing how the sinful woman was living her life, how she responded to Jesus, and how this righteous, quote-unquote, righteous man was experiencing Jesus. And so I want to take just a few minutes before we close today to just make some comparisons between the two because that seems like the point of the story. The point is, hey, there was a day maybe where you felt like this woman. There was a time maybe when you first came to Jesus and you felt like this woman. All of, all of the, the gravitational pull of religion is to get you to act like this man. And Jesus is warning everyone, be careful, be careful. Don't let religion coax you into this kind of way. Don't lose that gratitude, the overwhelming gratitude that this woman had. Here's three significant differences between this woman and this man. If you're taking notes, these would be worth trying to figure out. The first one is this, that they both had a different response to Jesus, right? I mean, what, what was his response to Jesus? His response to Jesus was, I mean, he invited him to his home. That's nice, right? But as soon as that woman started touching him, he's grossed out. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to get messy. I don't want to get dirty. I want to keep it clean. I want to keep it all together. In a way, he wanted this impersonal response. What was her response? <laughs> it was anything but impersonal, right? I mean, it was very personal. She was overwhelmed. She didn't care what people thought. She didn't care what, how people viewed her. She didn't care that people were going to be talking about her. Did you hear what she did at that party? She lost her mind. She didn't care. Her response to Jesus was so genuine. It was so heartfelt. It was so intense because she understood who he was. See, not only did they have a different response to Jesus, but they had a different understanding of Jesus. I mean, who did Simon see Jesus in this moment as? He saw him as just a great teacher, right? A good moral person, a religious leader. He called him a prophet. Who is this prophet? Maybe he's not a prophet if he doesn't know who this lady is that's touching his feet. No, he just saw Jesus as a good person. Who did this woman see Jesus as? Her savior, He's my savior. I just got to imagine that if this woman, I bet she had a thought similar to this. Maybe she had never seen him before. Maybe she had never experienced him before, but she had heard what he could do. And maybe she even thought, if this, if he is who I think he is, it changes everything. Maybe today, some of you need to just wave at who, who is he to you? What is your understanding of Jesus? Because he's, if he's just a religious leader, a moral person, a teacher, then forget all this, right? But if he's the savior, oh my goodness, it changes everything. If he can really forgive your sin, if he can offer you what we're all looking for, peace amidst all the tragedy, tragedy and the chaos, if he can make meaning out of the hard stuff of my life, if he can reconnect me with my Heavenly Father, if he can reconcile you to God, <laughs> then he's everything. And that's how she saw him. 
She saw him as he's, he's, he's changing my life. He's forgiven my debt. He's forgiven my sin. I mean, I, I don't care how overwhelmed I get. I don't care how embarrassed it might look. I don't care how ridiculous it might seem. He is my savior. They had a different response to Jesus, a different understanding of Jesus. And this is the hard part that I think should be a caution for all of us. We, I think it is worth all of us paying attention. This should bother us that they got a different response from Jesus. I mean, this woman got celebrated. This woman got commended. And this man got rebuked. I mean, this, this man, he, God in flesh telling him, hey, Simon, that, that's not why I came. I didn't come here for this buttoned up, put together look good on Sunday, but during the week, none of this really matters kind of religion. No, 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 no. I, I, I want people that recognize what I have done for them. I want people to recognize how big of a deal this is. I mean, what, what did Simon get out of this? What, what did Simon get? I think he got exactly what he wanted. I think he got a lecture. I think he got some philosophy. He, he got this really thoughtful example, but he got this rebuke. What, what, what did this woman get? This woman got this new way to live. She got this new way to love. She got this depth of life that she now is experiencing. She got forgiveness. I mean, I, I don't know how many of you would say, my life is kind of boring right now. I'm kind of going through the motions. I feel some apathy. I'm telling you, what she experienced was that. I almost fell, just so you know, right there. She got this, she got this new way of living. She got this way of, of this, this, this stretching of the heart, of the soul, this new way to see life that I, I find so compelling. There was a day when I was probably in my late teens, like 18, 19, 20, early 20s, where this is what my relationship with God was like. I mean, I was overwhelmed that God had saved me. And then over time, you just start to kind of go through the motions. And unintentionally, you just become kind of a church person that, you know, puts on your Sunday best and goes to church, but wouldn't dare do anything that was outlandish or that would be eye-opening or that people would think, wait, you did what? Like, well, no, 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 because you just keep it buttoned up and keep it formal and keep it put together. And this woman got, she got released from all of that. She got freed of all of that. I mean, who, who had more power? This man or this woman? I, I would say the woman had more power. I mean, societally, this man had more power, but when you stop caring what people think about you, that is when you're at your most powerful. When you realize how powerless you actually are, that apart from God, that you can't do anything, that apart from God, you can't get back to your father in heaven, that apart from him, there's no way, there's no reason to live. When you get there, man, that's some power, not from yourself, but that's some power that God gives you to be able to live your life, to be able to experience life, to be able to love others. In this profound, I don't care what people think. I don't care what it looks like. I am so in love with him. I just don't care. She got so much in this. And I'm telling you, 
I want what she got. I don't know about you, but I couldn't care less about living this way that religion wants us to live. I'm so over it. I'm so sick of it. I want what this lady got. I want to feel what it's like to be overwhelmed that God has saved me. And I want that for you as well. Let me just ask you, when's the last time you cried thinking about the fact that God has saved you? That's what I want. I want to experience what it was like when I first realized it, when I first fell in love with him. I think what she had to have done is what I just want to leave you with. I think she had to... She eventually saw Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrifice. She eventually experienced the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And it was life-changing to her. And it can be life-changing to you as well. But we have to see it not as a bumper sticker, not as just, oh, that's cool, that's awesome that he did that. No, no. She saw it against the backdrop of her own sin. She saw it with all of her Shame and guilt and condemnation playing in the background. And that's what I wonder today is, is it possible for us to become aware of this, that Jesus' death on the cross will always seem more powerful, more astonishing, more emotional against the backdrop of our own sin? Can you get that image again? Can you think about, God, it is amazing what you've done, but in light of what I've done, it's even more amazing. In light of who I am, in light of where I've been, in light of what I'm coming from, it is amazing that you have saved me. And that's possible today. It's possible for you to experience that again. It's possible for you to experience that the first time. And it's possible for you to accept that kind of love, grace, and forgiveness today. I think it's the thing that will change all of life for every one of us more than anything we could even fathom or imagine. And so I just want to invite you into that. I just want to invite you into accepting that grace, accepting that forgiveness. I'd love to invite you, if you wouldn't mind, would you stand up if you're able to? That would be great. Um, We're going to have some people that would love to pray with you down front. Um, Today, if it's a day where you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. But I hope that today that God will reinstill, that he will inject that same kind of I don't care what people think, kind of passion inside of you. So would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Maybe if you're at a place where you want to just accept that grace and forgiveness, would you just extend your hands? Just hold them out, just in a position of receiving. Father, I just pray right now that um, you would allow people to experience you. It's crazy how much life can change when we do. So we just tell you that we're grateful. Thank you for saving us. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving us. It is just remarkable that you did it. God, help us to live in that kind of way of showing grace to others, of getting excited when we hear that others have found you, of making this more important than anything else that we could live for. I just pray that you would re-inject, or maybe inject it for the first time, that sense of passion, that sense of awe and wonder Father, for anybody here that's never put their faith in you, I pray right now they would just pray, God, I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. I recognize his payment on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, that it is life. It is life to me. 
I make you my Lord and my Savior. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.